Romans chapter 8, we're at uh, verse number 27. I didn't start out with this plan, but it's kind of turned into it. I don't know where it's going to stop, but it's just working out. And, uh, you know, we, we started out in Romans chapter 7, and we were talking about the law. You know, the question is about the law. How does the law apply today? But a little question about how the law applies to you today, and when we found out, well, you're dead to the law through Jesus Christ. When, when he died on the cross, he delivered us from the law. He delivered us from sin. We also learned that the law shows us things. It reveals things to us. The law revealed sin to us. The law also revealed sin in us, and the law revealed the struggle that takes place within us with sin. You can know about sin, but getting over it, stopping it, stopping yourself from doing it, it becomes a different battle, doesn't it? Sin is within you. And Paul talks about, you know, that that I would do, that I would not. It's one of my favorite passages to see that Paul struggled, even after all them years, or he talks about that struggle that takes place. There's a battle that takes place in you. If you don't believe in the flesh and the spirit battling within you, I think you're going to the battle unarmed. I think if you, if you believe that, you know, you get saved, yes, you are a new creature, but you need to understand what kind of creature you are. And if you believe that you're, just, you're righteous, everything, you're, you're righteous in Christ, let me be careful what I say here, but if you believe that all that's left behind and now you can't do anything that you did before, I think you're going to be unarmed. I think the devil can get a hold of you. And we see it over and over again. People that don't believe in God, that look at the church, and they say, man, there's a lot of evil in the church. And there is. There are people in the church that aren't saved. There's some people in the church that are saved that are messing up. And it's understanding that that battle takes place, because if you don't know about the fight, you won't stand up to it. So the law reveals sin. Paul talks about that over in Romans chapter number 7, verse number uh, Verse number nine, he said, for I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Uh, Verse number seven, what should we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid, nay, I had not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. So the law shows us sin, but the law also shows us that struggle for sin within us. But there's something else that the law uncovers, because when you realize about the sin and when you realize about the struggle and you reach the point that Paul reached in uh, Romans chapter number seven at the end of it. And he says, oh, wretched man that I am. And I know this is repetition, but I want to remind you of where we've been. If any of you are like me, sometimes I can't remember the sermon I preached on Sunday. I know I know maybe y'all aren't like that, but just a little reminder. So y'all put up with me here. But Paul reaches the end of all that struggle, and he says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? You know, that's when God can use you. When you get to the end of yourself, when you, when you get to the part where you say, Oh, I got all this figured out, and I can do this, and I can do that. When you get to the end of yourself, and you say, Lord, I can't do anything without you. You know, the song says, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. That's the point where God can use you. That's the point where God made use of Moses. That's the point where God made use of Paul. Paul had everything figured out. He was doing God a favor. He was going from house to house. He was persecuting those Christians, those that were in the way. 
he was, he was condemning them. He was turning them over. He held the coats of those that stoned Stephen to death over in Acts chapter number... My mind's going. Acts chapter number 7. Yeah. Paul held the coats of those that stoned Stephen to death, and he thought he was doing God a favor. And it's when God struck him blind on, on the road to Damascus over in Acts chapter number 9... And Paul couldn't see, and Paul realized he was talking to the Lord, and he, the Lord said, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. In other words, it's, it's hard for you to fight against me, isn't it, Paul? This battle that you've been doing, and you're fighting against God. You're persecuting me when you persecute my people. That's what we're going to talk about today is God's on your side. Is God has a plan. He has a purpose, and he has prayers for you. And that's where we're going to get to. But we learned that when you reach the end where you say, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Paul said, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because when you know about the struggle and you know that you're not successful with the struggle, then you come to your senses and you say, I need you, Lord. And Paul says in chapter number 8, verse number 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So it's not just overcoming the sin. It's not just you turn over to Jesus Christ, but you turn over to him for a reason. And how do you stay with Jesus Christ in your walk? And that's what we talked about in the next one was your walk. You're daily. You make a decision. You can walk in the flesh. You can be carnal. You can go this way with the world, or you can walk in the spirit, and you can deny yourself. You can mortify the deeds of the body. It talks about over there in Romans chapter number 8. Well, verse number 13, for if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of your body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It's when you're led by the spirit of God... That's when you have testimony within yourself. When you go walking in the flesh, when you go, when you stay out of your prayers, let's, let's lock it down to the nuts and bolts, right? When you're not praying, when you're not reading your Bible, when you're not getting up, when God's not on your mind, when the world's on your mind constantly, then what happens to you as you get out into this world, you begin to doubt your own salvation. You begin to doubt did anything ever really happen to me when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior? That's just knocking it down to the bottom shelf right there. You have doubts within yourself. But when you follow Jesus Christ, when you walk in the Spirit, you're staying in your prayers, you're staying in your Bible. Your decisions are based on what God wants and not what you want. And that doesn't mean that you, your whole life stops, right? But God's leading you through your... When you begin to align yourself with God, you're aligned to his will for your life. Now, if that sounds all super spiritual, just get online, listen to those sermons, and catch up with where we are. So, it's your walk. And then it's a recognition of where you are. It says uh, it's, it's, it's understanding what's better uh, let's just look at it. Romans chapter 8, verse number 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. 
Now, if you've been watching the news, and, and I, I've been asked before, you know, why don't you preach more on the news or why don't you, and I don't want to. But things are getting bad enough now where you've got to recognize some things are changing. And this is one of the reasons I'm talking about your walk with Jesus Christ. And I'll go right back to where I started all this, and I'll say, I can't be with you everywhere. And if I was, I wouldn't be much of a help to you anyway. You understand that? You walk out these doors, something happens to me, airplane, whatever. You walk out these doors, it's not your pastor that helps your walk. When I worked at the glass plant and you had these conversations while you're working on the line, and this one woman, my pastor said, my pastor said, my pastor said. There was another fellow I worked with, and he was a young preacher too. And uh, yeah, I was young one time. And he was a young preacher, too. And he said, it ought not be what your pastor said. What does the Bible say? Amen. What does God say? I want to point you how to know what God says. I want to point you to God's word. I want, you to, I want to point you to a relationship with God. I don't know what's going to come. It may be the 80s all over again. You just have a good time. I don't know. <laughs> I, I tell you what, the way things are lining up, There's a lot of people, and there's a lot of people right now that are making that decision. Let's just pull out the stops here a little bit. Those people that are left outside Kabul Airport, the people that are stuck there, they're going to have to make a decision because either they convert or they die. And you ask yourself, what would your decision be? And I tell you, Jesus either becomes really important to you at that moment or he becomes not important at all. And this is why it's important for me to point you to God's word and point you to a relationship. Because my pastor says in that moment, (laughs) it ain't going to matter what he said. But if you look in this Bible and you look here in Romans chapter number eight and you go a little further, he says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, and as soon as I find the verse, I'll read the rest of it. Verse number 18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. See, just because God took Paul off the road persecuting Christians, that didn't stop the persecution. But it put put Paul on God's side. Are not worthy to be compared with with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So that's where we got to the long look, Dr. Ruttman calls it. The long look realizes that there's a heaven. The long look realizes that everything that we go here, through here, on this earth, it's not even worthy to be compared with what we're going to see. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, I'm just quoting these same ones over and over again. Have you got them in your head yet? I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. You see that? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You're either in God's family or you're in the devil's family. It's just that simple. Well, that's too black and white, preacher. (laughs) There's no gray line for this. There's no gray line when you're standing outside and out whatever. I'll say, whenever you're standing outside Kabul and they're, they're holding a gun at you and they say, you're going to convert? 
or you're going to die. You make that choice. I'm sorry to lay it out that plain and simple. Y'all said, oh, it was real good because you weren't being recorded last week. Well, here's, here's just throwing it out a little bit. Let, let's be down to the nuts and bolts. You got to have a long look. You have to be looking ahead, be able to look ahead and see what God has in store for you. You know, this whole idea, God has a special plan for your life. He does. You may not like what it is. You know, when Moses, and, and I've thought about this, when God sent Moses to Egypt and they were going to be delivered, that was in their future. That was written. God had told Abraham, he said, yet 430 years and, you know, they'll be delivered. They'll be in bondage in Egypt. He, he said it ahead of time. When that time came and Moses went back to Egypt and he said, let my people go that we may worship God. Let me tell you, those people went through some suffering before it happened. That whole thing about the bricks and the straw and, you know, having to go get your own straw and getting beaten for it. They felt every whip crack. For us, it's two lines in the Bible. Two verses, three verses. But when they went back and cried to Moses, they'd felt every one of them. They'd, they'd suffered through the day. They had suffered with the heat. They had suffered with the sand. They would suffered with the hunger. They, they had suffered through that. But God still had a plan. God delivered them through that. So you got to have the long look, and you got to understand that at the end of the book, God wins. And whose side do you want to be on when that happens? And then verse 21, 22, for we know that the whole, verse, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. Because that the whole creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we also groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. There's some pain that goes on. There's some groaning that goes on. Your, your life is going to hurt sometimes. Your feelings are going to get hurt sometimes. Or as Miss Judy says, your feelers. She hurts my feelings every time she says that. I'm picking, I'm picking. But it's just going to be some times things don't go right. There's going to be some times things go right. I'm not telling you that the Christian life is a life of misery, but I'm telling you that placing your trust in Jesus Christ gives you that peace that passeth all understanding. And if you're trying to just get your happiness from being part of a club, it doesn't work. Your happiness comes through Jesus Christ, through knowing who holds the key, who holds your destiny. By, Jesus said, fear not him who can kill a body, but fear him who is able to kill a body and also put your soul into hell. We don't have anything to fear because we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, John 5, 24. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath, I'm getting mixed up. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. That's that eternal life that Jesus Christ promises. And in uh, verse 24, for we are saved by hope, a hope that is seen is not hope. For what, for what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. 
our hope. Remember, if you can see it, why would you wait for it? And that's the introduction. Y'all ready for the sermon? Yes, sir. Let's get to verse number 27. Verse number 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, we've gone through the struggle that we have. We've gone through walking in the flesh. And we, we understand that it's through Jesus Christ, but you also understand, you need to understand as we go on, we have help from Jesus Christ in this walk. This was part of the sermon last week. We didn't get to it. But we have help with our walk through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. He says, He that uh, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. You know what infirmities are? Infirmities are your troubles and your tribulations that you go through day by day, whatever you may be struggling with. You know, and there's sometimes you just don't know what to pray for. Sometimes you just get so dark in that hole, so, so deep in the hole, all you can see is the top of the well. I don't know if anybody's ever been there. I've been there. I've been in that cave. I've been in that blackness where all I can see is everything that's wrong. And all I can, and he said, well, you're real encouraging today, preacher. I'm trying to encourage you. I'm telling you there's encouragement in Jesus Christ. I'm telling you that when you get down, when you get down to the bottom and you're looking up and all you see is that little bit of light at the top, I'm telling you Jesus Christ is right there with you in the hole. There's help for you. You don't even know what to pray. You don't know what to pray that would be right. You, you just get confused. I, Lord, I just don't even know how to pray. The Holy Spirit is right there within you, and he's making intercession. It says in verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You know those times when you get convicted by the Holy Spirit, you're doing wrong, and the Holy Spirit talks to you, and you get that conviction, and you know you're doing wrong? The Holy Spirit is just watching out for you, just praying for you in utterings, in, in groanings that cannot be uttered. It's, it's what you don't even understand. It's not speaking in tongues. It, it can't be uttered. And he's praying for you. Let me put it to you like this, because Dr. Ruttman puts it really well, if I can find it. The Holy Spirit sees your trouble like you can't see it. He sees God's purpose for it. He sees Satan's purpose for it. He knows your real strength to hold up under the infirmity. He knows who is watching you as you go through the infirmity. He knows how you will be able to minister to others because of your infirmities. When you go through those, it's, so, it's also so you can help someone later that goes through it. You know, nobody understands your problem quite like somebody that's been through it. You've been through a divorce. Somebody that's been through a divorce can probably be a help to you. You've lost a child. You've lost somebody. Somebody that has lost somebody can be a help to someone else. It's a hard thing, but that's the way this life is set up. This earth is cursed. These things are going to happen. It was Paul. The infirmities of verse 26 are our tribulations and trouble. If there is anyone who knew infirmities, it was Paul. Paul himself set the example of how the Christian is to survive on infirmities. 
The less he depended on his flesh, the more the power of Christ was given him by the Holy Spirit. Remember when Paul talked about that infirmity of the flesh and he played, prayed three times for God to take it away? What did God say? My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength, my, my power is made strong in your weakness. Because of the help of the Holy Spirit, Paul was able to glory in his infirmities and take pleasure in them. So the trouble in the Christian life is no reason for defeat. There was also a reason for those infirmities. Lest I should be exalted above measure, he said. It keeps you humble. Sometimes it's to bring you down a little bit so that he can use you. Sometimes we want to preserve ourselves. When we pray for our troubles, our gut instinct is self-preservation. Get out of the trouble. That was Paul's prayer in 2 Corinthians 12a. For this one thing I was sought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. The Holy Spirit, and this is the view from the outside, the Holy Spirit sees the trouble that you're in like you can't see it. He sees God's purpose for it. He sees Satan's purpose for it. He knows your real strength to hold up under the infirmity. And he knows who's watching you go through the infirmity. He knows who, how you'll be able to minister to others because of the infirmity. You don't see all that and you don't pray accordingly, but the Holy Spirit does. And when he prays for us, he prays for us with all of that in mind. So we don't always know how to pray properly for our troubles. It wasn't God's will to take Paul's thorn in the flesh away, it was put there for a purpose, lest I should be exalted above measure. Paul had seen a vision of heaven, and Paul had walked close to God, but he said, lest I be exalted above measure, God gave me a thorn in the flesh to remind me I'm just flesh. And then Jesus Christ prays for us. Look at uh, verse number 28, uh, verse number 27, sorry. Verse number 27, and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Jesus Christ prays for us. He knows our hearts. He knows us. Psalm 139.1 says, and we, uh, Psalm 139.1 says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. We're, we're liable to be preaching out of that one. But uh, Revelation 2.23 as he said, all the, all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and hearts. Imagine a friend that knows you so well, he knows all your frailties. Imagine that friend praying for you, and that's Jesus Christ. He's a friend that sticketh close. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, Proverbs says. And there's purpose in those sufferings. We get to Romans 8, 28. Look at that. We have the Holy Spirit praying for us. We have Jesus praying for us. Verse 28. There's a purpose to all this. The Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good. Well, what does it say after that? That's it. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose. And there's a purpose that God has called us to. That purpose, look at verse number 29. 
from whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be among that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. It says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So whom he did foreknow. God knows whether you're going to get saved or not. It's not that God chose whether you're going to be saved or not. So when you witness to someone, God may know who's going to get saved or not, but we don't. Verse number 30, more in your, your purpose, God's purpose, to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The purpose for your life is to be conformed to the image of God's son. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. And that all hinges on God's foreknowledge, is what I'm getting at. So you're destined to be conformed to the image of God. What does that mean? It said, we'll, we'll be like him one day. Brother Grady, he said, I'm going to be 33 again. <laughs> When I get to heaven, Brother Grady used to say. But there's prayers that are made for you. There's a purpose that are made for, made for you, your justification and your glorification. There's an end purpose in mind. So when God is working on you and he's drawing you closer to him in this world, we'll never be perfect until that day when we're in heaven. Um, but also, and I'm just going to move on here. Persistence. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 30, verse 31. We're talking about our help that we have from God. We have his prayers. We have his purpose. And we have his persistence. Verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Now, we were just talking about the long look, and we're talking about suffering through some things. And Paul said, I reckon that the sufferings of this time are not worthy to be compared with the things, with the glory which shall be revealed in us. But before we get there, there's some suffering. He says, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? You'll never be alone. He says, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God thought enough of you to send his only begotten son to die on the cross for your sins. Do you think he's going to withhold from you the good things? He thought enough to send his son. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elected is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. There's one person that judges you, and that's God. The devil may condemn you, and he brings stuff up to you. Other people may condemn you. They may bring stuff up to you. This doesn't make you perfect. But your eyes ought to have that long look toward God, toward your Savior. He ought to be the one you're pleasing, 
You know, the Bible says the fear of man bringeth a snare. When we're afraid of man, we trip up, we stop. We don't do what God wants us to do. That fear can paralyze you. I've been paralyzed from fear before. The mind just just plays with you and stops you from moving forward. Y'all say, man, that pastor's crazy. I don't know if I'll be listening to him. Well, you ever get as crazy as me, just know God's there for you. And then he goes on, and this is the part I love. After who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It didn't end there. He's making intercession for us now. Verse 35, and this is one of the favorites. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Christ died on the cross for you. He prayed for you. Who's going to separate you from Jesus Christ? Once you've accepted Christ, I want to tell you, your own mind will condemn you. The world will condemn you. And they'll try to tell you this and that. I call it the shield of faith. It's like, I just got to trust Christ first. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine? Paul suffered all those things. Paul suffered shipwreck. Paul suffered beatings. Paul was stoned to death at one time and grows back up. But Paul suffered. Every time he went into a town, he began to preach Jesus Christ. There were some that wanted to know. And you can imagine the joy that Paul felt. But at the same time, his brethren, the Jews, were, were persecuting him. They were coming at him. They were lying about him. But his eye was on Jesus Christ. His eye was on heaven. His eye was on those souls that were saved that were going to join him there. He said, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, for as it is written, for thy sake are we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things... Now, when you're being persecuted, when you're being beaten, when you're, when you're being lied about, man, what a loser. No, Paul says, verse 37, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We overcome. And I talked about that decision being made. That decision has been made all down through history. There are people that have faced a stake of wood with a pile of wood underneath. Said, you believe this or you go there? I said, I believe in Jesus Christ. You're going there. Watched as they lit the fire. But they didn't surrender. They didn't recant. They didn't turn on Jesus Christ. Man, I'm full of cheer today, ain't I? Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And then Paul makes a declaration here. And these are, you can memorize these. Verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers. You can throw in governments. You can throw in whatever you want. Nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present. 
nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's something to hold on to. But when you're walking in the Spirit, and let's go all the way back through these, I won't repeat them all, but you go back and you read through Romans 7, you read through Romans 8, and you get through that. You're walking in the Spirit. You're following Jesus Christ. You're not alone. You have help through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, no matter what you're going through. No matter what you're going through, nothing is going to be able to separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing. You read 38 through 39, he said, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angel, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Never leave out Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the door. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, Let your conversation, and that's your life in the King James, your manner of living, your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Let's pray.